As we said, we're going to be over here in Genesis chapter 3 today. Last week we were looking at the curse on the women. It's not really a curse being put on her, but we explained some of the things that are about that. Believe it or not, we're actually not done with it. There's still more to, to see, but we'll, we'll get there. But today we want to take a look at what was pronounced or announced over the man. We wonder over the differences of those two things. I believe that what happened here in Genesis is God announcing what is, is happening, not pronouncing this upon him. And we went over some of that last week. But we also looked at the sin result on the woman. Some people, of course, they go and they, they teach people that you can have a pain-free birth as long as you have faith. And then people, you know, they, they believe God. And they stand on the promises and they can make all the confessions and they do all the things that are necessary to do. And then they go through and have a baby and they still have pain. And they, some people fall in their guilt and condemnation for it because they think, oh, what was wrong with me that I was not able to get through this? It comes from a faulty understanding of what that was. And so we tried to show you some of the things that were involved in that last week. But as it was, when, when the father had the son birth for us, the second birth, there was pain involved. And that's part of the reason. Like I said, we haven't quite gotten into all the, all the things with that yet. We will get into some more. But we want to take a look at what's going on here with the, with the man. But I do I wanted to make this one note that I forgot to make last week. There's a lot of times people are looking at the first part of the things that are spoken about the woman and the pregnancy and the pain and all that sort of thing. We went into this, the second part. We spent some time on that. <clears throat> that I believe that is the negative effect of sin on the woman taking what God put in her to be benefit and turning it into something that is negative. Because all the other things that he is showing is the effect of sin upon the person, upon the world. And this is the effect of sin upon the, the woman. Your desire will be for him, but he shall rule over you. That word there for rule is not necessarily a good rule and it's not what a husband is supposed to do over his wife. <clears throat> but near is, nor is it what the wife is supposed to do over the husband. Your desire will be for him. There are, um, <clears throat> there are people who will teach that you can have authority over the pain in your body during pregnancy, but they do not tell you that if you yield to the things of sin, you really have no authority over it. We went over the verse of Scripture in Genesis chapter 4. When it was spoken to the man, Cain, and it was, uh, in fact, I pulled it up on my phone because I, I forgot to put it in the outline. I wanted to read it for you. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. <clears throat> Excuse me. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. That's that exact same phrase, just a few verses after it was spoken before. If you allow sin, women, if you allow sin to rule over you and usurp the authority in the home, make the home be run the way you want it to be run, no one's happy unless you are happy, sin has dominated you, and don't you dare talk about how you dominate it. Well, amen. That was, that was good preaching. I'll tell you this. <clears throat> if you want to dominate sin, you've got to dominate sin. You've got to take authority over that right there. And uh, again, we went over Ephesians. 
that Paul is just trying to bring people back to what marriage was supposed to be before sin entered in and messed it all up. Messed up the men, messed up the women. Got us all all messed up in these, these things. And the role of feminism. Matt and I were talking afterwards, and I'm so glad he reminded me because we had this conversation before. Feminism is a way to get the women to act like a man to not receive the uh, this curse, that is put, but, but act, act in another area, another place. It is all wrong. Women, be women. It's good. God spent time with you. More time than the man. He wonderfully crafted you. Do not try and be anything else. These people that are out there trying to have the men be the women and, the, and having the, the surgeries and, and becoming something. You cannot make yourself not be a woman if you were born one and you cannot not make yourself be a man if you were born one. You can't do it. You can try and alter some things. You can try and change some things, but it will not happen. You can't make a dog be a cat. No matter how many surgeries you do, that thing is still going to think like a cat or it's going to think like a dog. And they think very differently. If you're born a woman, God did not make a mistake. These people are out there are trying to make entertain the idea that God made a mistake. God did not make a mistake. There are some states that are trying to get some rules put in place that if you are under a certain age that you cannot make a decision to have a gender-changing surgery. Boy, am I ever for that. I believe Florida is one of them, and I thought I heard some other ones out there that were trying to do this as well. How is it that you cannot decide who to vote for, but you can decide what your body ought to be? How is it you can't decide to drink legally, but you can decide to have life-changing, altering surgery, for which if you have it, you will not be able to have any children? And it messes with their minds from there on out. Leave what God made the way God made it. And don't try and change it. Women, don't try and become men. You won't enjoy it. You are not built to be a man. You won't have any fun. Men, don't try and become women. You are not built to be a woman. You will not have any fun being a woman. Be a man. These, these are folks that are out there trying to feminize the men. Men, stand up and be men. Stop giving in to the pressure of the people who will do this. Or, no, stop it. Be a man. Men like certain things. Men also don't like certain things. Women, stop making us like them. Men don't make your wives like stuff you don't like. If she don't like it, great. It's fine. Stop altering her. It's, it's fine to be that way. Now, there might be some things. Sometimes a, a woman or a man might want to go, well, I'll go along with you and see what that's like. So that's fine. You know, men might go along with the wife to, to do the shopping. Do some shopping like that window shop. That like, he might go along and do that. Don't expect him to enjoy it like you do. It wasn't built that way. Men don't expect your woman to go hunting. We go shopping, we go hunting. We don't shop. I need a shirt. I go in. There it is. I got it. Killed it. Gone. That's it. That's how we shop. I don't need to look around anything else. This one works. That's it. Women aren't that way. We've got to check out a whole lot of different things. And that's fine. That's how God built you. Men don't try and change your wives to be something different. 
Wives, do not change your husbands to be something different. One of the things I used to, oh, I tell you, it bugs me when we, Lamar and I, we were out playing hockey. This is not on the agenda at all. I don't know. <clears throat> we would go out and play hockey. I love playing hockey because we're just guys. That was it. Leave the women somewhere else. So once in a while, my wife would come along and she'd sit, she did not relate to what was going on out there. And so she said, I'm going to stay home. That's fine. That's all right. Because you see, when we were out there and it was just guys, we could be guys. And no one condemned us for being guys. No one called us macho. No one said it called us any names. I could take Lamar and drive him into the boards and smile on afterwards. He could get on the other end of it, drive me into the boards, punch me a couple of times. And afterwards, smile at each other. We just had the best time beating up on each other at hockey. We had to get them. We were always on opposite teams. I told you that before. They wouldn't let us be on the same team. But we had fun fun because we, we could be guys. Now, now, ladies, you don't play that way. And that's okay. You're not made to play that way. We are. I think I told you a long time ago the story when, we, when I was in gym class in Upper Moreland High School. And we had, a, uh, we had a male gym teacher. And we would do this thing called dodgeball. I remember dodgeball. Well, we played it the way we did in there. But the, the gym, gym teacher we had, it was a, a boys' class. All boys were in there. And so we played the way boys play dodgeball. We didn't think anything of it. But then one time, our, uh, the person who our, headed up our gym class was out. And so the woman gym teacher stepped in place. And so we go out there to play dodgeball. This was what was on the agenda. We were playing dodgeball. And so she throws the dodgeballs out, and we played the way we normally played. It did not dawn on us. We did not realize that the, the lady gym teacher left the building. Didn't realize that. We just played it the way we did. Now, when we played it, you take that ball, and there is, there's no lying. I didn't get hit. Oh, yeah, it left a mark. <laughs> you could knock people over the way these guys would throw it. They would throw it so hard that if it missed you, it would hit the wall and bounce back to them before anybody could stop it. it they were flinging them suckers. And if you got hit in the face, you were down for a while. This is the way we played it. This is the only way we knew to play it. This is how we liked to play it. You could get hurt playing dodgeball in our gym class. And so when the, the lady gym teacher came in and she saw how we were playing, she left the room. She left the building and hid in the other room. And when we were done, she came out and she just said, you guys don't play this like the girls do. <laughs> no, we're not girls. Girls play it differently. They don't play it wrong. They just play it differently. They have fun the way they play it. We have fun the way we play it. But sometimes you get those people that just want to feminize the men and they want to make the men act like women. Be all nice and soft and gentle. No, we don't play soft and gentle. We play hard and fast. That's how we are made to play. If you don't like it, if you want to call us macho, I'll just dismiss you. Get out of my face. Go away. I don't need you around. After the game is over, you can come back. And I'm, I'm, I'm rough with that. If you want to try and feminize me in one of my games, get out of the building. I'll get red in your face about it. 
You've never seen me get in your face about that. But I will get in your face about that. Because I'm out here to be a man. I play like a man. I don't play like a woman. If you've got a problem with that, then just leave. Afterwards, we won't be playing anymore. And I'll be different. But uh, uh, Lamar and I, we have fun because we play the same way. And we had a whole room full of guys who played the same way. Oh, we liked it. That was, that was good. But don't try and change people. God made you a certain way so that you are ready to do certain things. There's a lot of wives out there that want to feminize their husbands and figure out why they can't solve problems when they have them come up. Knock it off. Let that man be a man. Let him go out there and hang out with some guys. It's okay. Husbands, let your wife go out there and hang out with some gals. Just the girls. That's okay. That's good. Anyway, let's get back over here. Don't let feminism ruin your household. It's going to ruin a lot of people. It already has. But don't let it ruin you. And don't feel like you got to change. I love, absolutely love getting in the face of people that are feminist. I love it. Oh, I'll aggravate you to no end. You will be so mad at me when we are done. How many remember Rush Limbaugh? Oh, I loved, loved his show. Well, he, I didn't hear this when it happened, but I heard him tell about it because he had a way of aggravating the feminists. He had a way of aggravating the news media. And one of the things he did way back early in the show, I didn't hear this one, but he told people, all right, this is what we're going to do. If you are a woman caller, you will not get on the air unless we have an, a picture of you. He wanted a picture of all women before they could call it. Women sent in pictures all over them. They had, he had so many pictures coming up. Now, he meant it as a joke, and he just did it to fire up the people who were on the other side, just to get them riled up. And it did. It got them riled up. Oh, how dare you do that? You don't make the men have to do that. <laughs> oh, he got them all. That's all he wanted to do was get them. He did a lot of things just to get people riled up. I love that. Because you see, that flesh nature gets so much in you. And if, this, if it's the flesh nature, you get it riled up, it wants to stifle who's on the other side. That's the flesh nature. If it's God, if it gets riled up, it wants to proclaim the truth, not stifle. There's a difference. You can always tell the work of the darkness because light drives out darkness. That's in the Word of God. Light drives out darkness. If the light comes on the scene, darkness flees. It has to go. So light cannot battle darkness. The only thing that darkness can do is to stifle the light. So it tries to put it under something. It tries to get it to cover its light. Trying to get it. And that's what it'll do. If you want to find out light or darkness, just see. Are they trying to stifle? Are they trying to silence? That's darkness. God doesn't do that. God proclaims. This is, this is what it is. He will proclaim the light. Now, you can choose whichever one you want, but he will proclaim the light. Remember what they did with the disciples? We demand that you no longer teach in this name. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. Should we, believe you? Should we obey you or obey God? Well, we're going to obey God, so see you. That's what they did. That's what darkness has to do. It has to stifle the light. It's so easy to tell light and darkness. It's just not hard. It's very easy. 
If someone's trying to silence you, keep you from speaking against something, well, that's darkness. If light comes in and says, all right, I hear what you're saying, but here's what the Bible says. Here's what the truth says. Well, they're not trying to stifle you. They're trying to illuminate what is there. And if you say, no, no, I'm going to believe this. Well, that's fine. Go ahead. And then they just go on. So easy to tell light and darkness. Let's get over here. Let's take a look at this part first. We're going to look over here. Genesis 3, 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, this is what he said, because you have done this, you made a deal. As we, we outlined it for you, he made a deal with the devil, became a spokes serpent. Now, spokesperson is one word. I didn't think it looked right to have spokes serpent one word. So I left it. I put it in there too. If I have that in your outline, I may have taken that out. But he became a spokes serpent for the devil. That's what he did. And this is what, because you have done this. Now, it doesn't say exactly what it is, but that seems, and I gave you the evidence for it. We, we went some time over that. That seems to be what it is. But now we come to the woman. And for the woman, there is no this. He doesn't say, because you have done this to the woman. Now, let's take a look at the whole thing, the whole act of what happened here. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is a direct confrontation of the Word, the Word of God. The serpent is directly confronting the Word of God to the woman. Before, it was just, has God said? That's not true. That, that's not what's going to happen. This is a lot of times what the tactic of the enemy is. Gets you to question what God said and then directly attack it. You will not surely die. Direct confrontation to the Word of God. And it goes unchallenged. The woman does not challenge it. When there was a direct confrontation... Of the word of God by Peter, he became the spokesperson for the, for the devil. When he spoke to Jesus, what did Jesus do? Direct confrontation. When Paul had direct confrontation, what did he do? He spoke, when Peter had direct confrontation, what did he do? See, the woman, she should have had direct confrontation. It's not because she wasn't Adam, she wasn't the man, because she didn't hear, has nothing to do with that. She could have directly confronted the serpent. Those are not the words of God. But she didn't do it. She went away. And I think she went away. She thought about this for a little bit. So, verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So she came by the tree, saw the tree, saw that it was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. So she, if she had come by here before, and she probably has come by here before, she looked at it through the eyes of the Word of God. Don't eat. Don't eat. That is a tree that will bring death into your life. Don't eat of that. She looked at that tree through the Word of God. 
Now she has another word. This word says, you, not sh- you shall not surely die, but in the day that you eat of it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So now she comes back to the tree. Now she looks at it through a different word. Huh. All right. Well, it looks like a good tree to eat from. And it's going to make me wise. See, she's looking at it differently. This is one of the things that we're seeing in society today, and we've seen it all through. It just depends on what it changes from. But people, they go through some questioning and some things. They hit questions. And now people in school are telling you, well, if you're having those questions, it might be because you're not really a girl. And so now they're looking at those questions differently. And they're willing to take action that they wouldn't have taken otherwise. But you get, a, you get a confrontation. You get something that comes in. The Word of God has said you're healed. You believe God for healing. You got healed in your body. Direct confrontation comes and says, feel that little twinge? You're not healed. You thought you were healed, but you're not healed. Well, you were healed, but you're not healed anymore. And you begin to look at the same thing through a different glass. Don't directly confront it and go back to what God said. God said, I am healed. God, over the years that we've been here, I've told you different testimonies, different things that God has done in my body and helped me out with. That doesn't mean it always just stays that way. There are some times that I'll, I'll wake up and there's some, some pain. There's some, something going on. I can't look at that in light of anything else except what the Word of God says or I'm going to fail. It will come crashing down. I can't look at it that way. I got to keep looking at the way, the way the Lord told me. So she, so that this that she seems to have done was when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she contemplated on based on the words that were contrary to God's about this situation and came up with a plan of action and decided to follow it. You don't want to do this. Don't look at any tree, anything in your life the way that the serpent in your life has said it. And we said you know, there's a whole lot of spokespersons for the devil. Serpents. They can be people. They can be news reports. Certainly can be news people. Them people are serpents, most of them. I don't know too many that... None of them hold my attention. I will put it to you that way. We can look at what God calls sin to see the, the, the sin that God said it was. If God said this is sin, then look at it as God did. But what happens is that people come up, well, has God really said you shouldn't date someone who's not a Christian? How are they going to come to know God? Oh, well, I never looked at it that way. I just looked at it from the way that the Word of God said, don't be unequally yoked. But if I look at it that way, then maybe I should. Has God really said you shall not live with somebody before you're married? Has God really said that? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, that's an old thing. I'm, I mean, maybe we can buy a I mean, we're going to get married. And you, you can see how the, the whole thing goes on. You're looking at the same thing in life, but now you're just looking at it through different glasses, through different ways of, of seeing this. And no, 
the way God is, God still knows this is right, this is wrong. That's it. This is right. If God's word said, do this, then that's what you do. God's word said, don't do this. And that's how we look at it. I don't go to God's word and question. Well, should I, should I look at it that way? I gave you that quote in the bulletin by Billy Sunday. I have more respect for the devil than for some preachers. That'll get your attention. I have more respect for the devil than for some preachers I have met. The devil believes the Bible is the word of God. Oh, man. I like that statement. That is a good... Yeah, the devil does believe the Bible is the word of God. Some preachers don't. Mm Mm-mm. Now, if you're wondering why I put that particular cartoon, I put just about every cartoon I put in has something to do with what we're doing that day. Almost every one. This one is this. Simply this. Once you let the thing out in the garden, it's gone. Once you gave in to sin, it's gone. Once that goldfish went down the toilet, I don't care what you get, it's gone. It's out of here. We They had something in the garden. When it was gone, it was gone. Don't let people get up there and start teaching you. Well, if you have enough faith, you can get it back. Gets people into guilt and condemnation. You don't need to do that. Well, then it says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and got among the trees of the garden. Now, as a result of spiritual death, this happens immediately. Remember he said, The day that you eat of it, you will die. It was tried to be sold to them that this was a physical death. God meant a spiritual death that would be caught up with a spirit, with a physical death. But as soon as they ate, as soon as they ate, the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. They didn't know they were naked before. Now they knew it. And they felt ashamed. Then when this presence of God came, when the presence of God came before, they would get into his presence. Now they hide. See, once that goldfish went down the toilet, Then the Lord God God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I command you that you should not eat? Now, I put this in your outline. I want to make sure you get this. This is important. Darkness can help you know things that light would not expose. Darkness can help you know things that light would not expose. Now let me elaborate on that just for a moment. You ever heard people in the Christian in the Christian circles talking about their spiritual walk? Well, I know that brother so and so is involved in this sin over here and that that's doing this to him and really You know that. God came over and told you somebody else's business. No. Darkness will bring things to to light or illuminate things, help you to see things that light would not expose. God's not about in the business of exposing things to embarrass people. 
We won't do it. Over the years, and it's been many years that we pastored this church, my wife and I, we have seen a lot of things from people. One of the things that we see is that people try and be super spiritual. No one here now. We've gotten rid of most of them. Oh, yeah, it's intentional. We'll give them a little bit of time. If they don't change their ways, we put pressure on them. You'll never see it. You will never see it. But we put pressure on them to get rid of them. We don't need that. If they're willing to change, if they're willing to receive and move off of that, then we'll, we'll help them out. But if not, I have no problem with them leaving. Going someplace else. You see, because they have walked in a way their darkness is illuminating things about other people. And then they go and they talk to other people about what darkness has illuminated. And every time, you can see this, the people that have been fully immersed in this constantly talk negative about people. Always telling you dirt on people. That is not helping anybody. You don't need that around. That's not the God that you serve. God does not go around telling people, well, so-and-so is involved in this. Oh, shame on them. No, darkness is trying to embarrass you. Darkness is trying to sell you on a God that isn't there. That's not, that, that's not what God does. That's not what He... Our God is there. He's light. And He will talk to you about it. And if you won't listen, and it's a real dangerous thing in your life, He will send someone to you, not to others. I learned this, it was some years ago. Um, I learned this from a person. It was amazing. There was this one person who was in church a long, long time, long, long time ago. In fact, you'd have to dig this series out to even find it. But I was on the series at the time on pride. And as I was meditating on the series, trying to figure out what do, I, what do we need to teach on to help people. On, anybody remember teaching the series on pride? Anybody here was here when we were still doing that? I know some of you were here because you've just been here like forever. <laughs> which, which is so good but we were teaching this thing on pride and um, uh, you ever hear that thing you know what would Jesus do uh-huh. Yeah, what would Jesus do in this situation well I would think of this particular person and I would think what would they do and that would expose pride to me I could tell what the pride reaction was by figuring out what this person would do now what amazed me was that Part of the way through the series, this person came up to me and says, I am enjoying this series more than most. <laughs> I almost fell over and I says, well, you are the inspiration for it. <laughs> I am getting great inspiration from you on what to address. <laughs> but I learned something and that was this. When God would reveal things to people, about others. They would say, well, God has revealed this to me about them and would cause them to act in a way that was not in the love walk. God told me, he says, how could I share something with people that takes them out of the love walk and then keep sharing the same thing to them? I said, well, you wouldn't do that. If you shared something with me and it took me out of my walk in the wrong way, you would stop sharing those things with me. Absolutely. So where are they hearing them? You see, darkness will illuminate things that light will never never expose. Do you understand that? There's people out there that are illuminated by familiar spirits. 
They, they, they're in the church, but they are illuminated by familiar spirits. They are illuminated by doctrines of devils. Paul dealt with them. Peter dealt with them. Paul really dealt with them. Jesus dealt with them in his day. And that's not the only place that you see them. And you will still see them today. Just understand, not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is doing Christian things or representing God in a very nice way. God does not try and embarrass you. God is not out to expose all your faults. Because the Word of God says what? What does the Word of God say about exposing faults? Love covers a multitude of sins. You get a husband and wife, you get a, 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 a spouse of somebody, and they go around exposing, talking about all the deficiencies of their spouse. Who's inspiring them? I don't care if you're sharing it for prayer or not. That's not inspired by God. It's not the love walk that God wants you to be in. Well, amen. That's good preaching there, sir. <laughs> Darkness can help you know things that light would not expose. So he says to Adam in verse 17, because you have, and so he, he actually gives a list here for Adam. He didn't give a list for e- for Eve. He didn't give a list for the serpent. He did say, because you have done this to the serpent, but he doesn't even say, because you have done this to Eve. He does say to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Let me read that again. This is the this. I didn't write this. This was in your Bible before I ever showed up today. This was in your Bible. This is what it says. This is... What God came down on out because you have done this, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Hmm. Well, we ought to take a doctrine from there that husbands should never <laughs> heed the voice of their wife. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's <laughs> I mean, that's a a natural overreaction. That's not what he's saying. We have to understand what he is saying. Too many times people come out with these really weird things out of Scripture, and it's not what was said. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Heeded the voice of your... Now, now Adam, remember he said, why did you do this? Adam said, well, this woman you gave me? Look what Jesus says. Wife. Your, wife. your wife. Not my wife. It's your wife. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Have eaten from the tree against God's commandment. Now, he's the only one we get a list of the things that he did. Now, this word heated is to hear intelligently. This is a hard definition to find. I had to dig for this one a little bit. But to hear intelligently, often with implication of attention, obedience, etc. Not just what you heard, but what you yielded obedience to. Is there not pressure in today's society? That when the wife 
tells the husband to do something that he just needs to do it. No, husbands, you have a head on your shoulders and the ability to understand the Word of God. And you two are together on this. If your wife is picking up on something that is wrong and she encourages you to follow suit, you are not to heed it. Same thing, the opposite is true too. If the husband, and you know husbands can get some sinful ideas. If the husband gets a sinful idea to go against the word and tells the wife, let's go and do this. In fact, I can give you scripture on that. Over in the book of Acts, there's a husband and wife team. Whose idea do you think it was? Husbands can get wrong ideas too and lead the wife along, just like the wife can get a wrong idea and leave the husband. But one of you ought to have the sense to hang on to the Word of God and keep the other one out of it. But if we're always thinking, well, the husband always has to obey the wife, then that makes, that, that uh, won't fix. That won't, that won't work. If the wife thinks, well, I've always just got to obey the husband, then you're never being the helpmate you were supposed to be. So the two things God cites here, there's two things that he, that he did. Let me um, make sure I read the whole, whole thing. Well, let's just read it again. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. And then he goes on and he pronounces the curse. Or they talks announces the curse, I should say. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten. Two things that are there. Two things. First off, he listened and yielded to. That's the first thing he did. Listened. It is not a sin to listen to something that is against the Word of God. Because things against the Word of God are going to come to you after you listen to it. You say, oh, that's against the Word of God. I'm not going to yield to it. That's perfectly fine. It's not that he listened, it's that he listened and yielded. He was not supposed to, he was supposed to be a man, stand up and say, no, we're not going to do this. He didn't do it. He listened and yielded to, and what, and what that led him to do. So he first off listened and yielded, and secondly, he did it. There was an action there. That's what he is being cited for. There are those things we listen to and resist and those we listen to and accept. There are those things we listen to and resist and those things we listen to and accept. I listen to my wife often talk about the virtues of Brussels sprouts. Just, was it just yesterday? She got a salad? Had Brussels sprouts. He offered me some. The salad, Brussels sprouts in the salad. I don't know if they were cooked Brussels sprouts or raw Brussels. I don't know which. I didn't ask. I didn't care. Because they're all bad. But she likes them. And so she said, I have a, a salad in there. Would you like a salad? And I said, well, is it one, there's this one salad we get over a giant. And um, yeah, Miss Ethel and I, we talked about it. Oh, I love that salad. I sometimes crave that salad. It has sesame seeds in it. It's got some kind of a dressing. I don't know what that dressing is. But doggone, that thing is good. Oh, man, that is good. Uh, I One time we ran out of it. I put ranch on it. Nothing. Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. I like ranch, but it was not good for that. I, that salad dressing they put in there, mm, they ought to bottle it. 
And they put all kinds of healthy leaf. And it's not that, you know, garbage lettuce stuff that they put in there. And uh, there's cabbage in there. And just believe it or not, I actually like it. I eat it. And I went to sesame seeds, put the sesame seeds all over that sucker. I'd get more of them and put it on there. I just, oh, I love that thing. So I asked her, is it that salad? She said, no, it's a different one. It has Brussels sprouts in it. Nope. Now, I listened to my wife, but I didn't yield to her. See the difference? I listened, but I didn't yield. I did not enter into the scene of Brussels sprouts. I resisted. My daughter likes them too. Mm. So there are those things we listen to and resist and those we listen to and accept. I got to listen to it first. Am I going to resist this or am I going to accept it? Which one are we going to do? But without the doing, without the doing, there was no substantive yielding. You cannot say that you listened and yielded unless there was some kind of doing going on. You got to do something. You may say, I want to get up and exercise tomorrow. And you may listen to something that says, get up and exercise. And you may listen to some inspirational things to get up and to exercise. But I have not yielded to that until I have exercised. Until I've done it. Once I have done it, then I not only listened, but I yielded to it. That's where the substance is. Without the doing, there's no substantive yielding. Let's get on here to, the, to what is pronounced, what is announced here. Then to Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. See, he had God's word. He knew God said, Don't do it. I don't care who comes along and tells you, It's okay now. If God's word said it's not, don't do it. I've had some things in my life. The word of God said, don't do this. I don't understand why. I haven't got the understanding yet as to why. So what do I do? I don't do it. Until I understand the why, I just assume not do it. So I just don't do it. I mean, how much do you really need that thing? Now, he says, cursed, that's the same word he used for the serpent. Didn't use this on the woman. Used it on the serpent. Used it on, on here. But he does not curse Adam. Adam is not cursed. I'll prove it to you. Cursed is the ground for your sake. It is the ground that is cursed. It is not Adam. Adam was not, does that surprise you at all? Adam is not cursed. The ground was cursed. Apparently, before this happened, the ground was not cursed. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, that's the same word for sorrows that was used with the women. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now the more I look at this, the more I've, I've determined that we have so focused on the wrong parts on this, this statement that is there, we miss the actual right parts. We miss what was actually said. Because we're so focused on everything else. But he says this, In toil you shall eat of it. There is going to be an extra battle 
the same way that the woman had toil and sorrows in the in birthing, he's going to have the same thing with the with the ground. It wasn't intended to be that way. The ground was supposed to yield much easier. Now it's going there's going to be toil that is required in order for him to eat of it. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now, what have they been eating up until now? The trees of the garden. Isn't that right? How much does a thorn or thistle bother a tree? Doesn't bother at all, does it? No effect. That tree towers over thorns and thistles. They laugh at them. Ha! Pesky little thing. But, the herb of the field, not so. Herb of the field is smaller. So before, he was given a food supply that could not be challenged by anything on the earth. Now he has to go out in the field, not in the garden, in the field, and get his food from something that could be challenged by the thorns and the thistles. Thorns and thistles were not made right now. They were already made. They were already here. They were already growing. But they didn't affect their food source. But now it does. Not all is in here. Take a look at this. Both thorns and thistles that shall bring for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Now, how many think that sweating is part of the curse? I don't, I don't know about you. How many of you all, man or woman, I don't care, like to every once in a while go out there and have a good sweat. I do. I love. Sometimes I just need to get out there and sweat some. I just need to get out there and work some. You know, we were doing cross country and we would weigh in before and weigh in after. The most I sweated off in one run that I know of, because I haven't done that outside of cross country, the most I did was eight pounds. From the beginning, we only ran about an hour, but um, from the beginning of that hour, I would weigh in at 145. That was my weight in college, 145. I would, the lightest I came back was eight pounds lighter than that, 137. In an hour, I dropped eight pounds. It's hot, but it's no big deal. You gain it back. They put you back on the scale the next day. You needed to weigh in at 145. As long as you weighed in at 145, we don't care how much weight you lost. It's not wrestling. It's cross country. But sometimes you just want to get out there. Oh, I just want to sweat. Oh, yeah, just, just want to. That's not part of the curse. Sometimes it's good to get out there and to, and to sweat and to just feel like, wow, I worked hard today. Oh, this was good. We liked it. But you see, it's, that's a choice. I can decide. Well, I'm going to go out there and sweat a little bit today. Uh, this isn't a choice anymore. He's saying, no, you're going to have to go out there and if you want to eat, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to sweat. So you know what we do now? We have welfare programs so that people can sit at home and watch TV and not work. That's not God's welfare program. God's welfare program is get your butt off the couch, get out to the field, follow behind the people that are harvesting and pick up whatever they leave behind. That was God's welfare system. You go out there and you work. Get in the sun. If you don't like that lifestyle, then get a job. That's how he did. That's how he did it. 
In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Adam was made from the ground. He's going to return to the ground. That was not the intention. The intention was that he would live forever. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are. Into dust you shall return. He's telling them right now, you will die. Not today. I'm not telling you that you're going to die today. Because right now, today, I'm telling you that the sin has had this effect on you. You are now going to be working for your food. You're going to be battling thorns and thistles that are going to try and you take away your food. You're going to have things that are come against your food. And you're going to have to work until the day that you die. Eating will now require toil. You won't just be walking in the garden and pulling some things off the trees. <coughs> Thorns and thistles, they're going to be competing. And you're going to be eating the herb of the field, not the trees of the garden. Doesn't mean they want to eat meat. Just means you're not, you're not going to be here in the garden eating the trees anymore. You're out. You're going to be eating from the field. The field is not the garden. So we're going to put you back out in the field. Well, he's going to return to dust. God made Adam from dust. He didn't make Eve from dust. He made Adam from dust. Basically, it was this. God took dust and made something special out of it. His name was Adam. Sin took Adam and made something special back to dust. God took dust, made something really special out of it in Adam. Then sin came along and took something very special and made it into dust. That's what sin does. Sin takes what is good and makes it worse and brings it back down to a useless place. That's why God says stay away from it. Don't get involved in sin. So the ground or earth became cursed. The ground or earth, it became cursed. That is why the coming kingdom is looking for redemption as well. Let me read this for you. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The curse came on the earth. Man was affected by the curse that came on the earth. But the earth is going to be liberated the same time that we are. From all that. We're not liberated. Millennial kingdom is great, but we're not liberated from everything then. That... Death is still not put away. There's a lot of things that are still around. But once that millennial reign is done, and once the devil is finally judged and he's removed, then, as uh, Brother Keith puts it, no more, no global warming. We're talking global melting. God is going to melt the earth and the heavens, and He's going to redo it, and it's going to look complete, completely different. But the sin problem will be dealt with and gone and creation is looking forward to that day. 
because it knows it was cursed. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. It's an interesting thing. He says birth pangs. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The earth is waiting for the same thing. Eagerly waiting for that to happen. Let's read this one more time and see the result here. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are. And to dust you shall return. To dust you shall return. So there's going to be a battle. There's going to be toil against the competitors that are for fruit is what he is talking about here. Those thorns and thistles, they had to battle. They had to battle them before. They weren't an issue. Now they're going to be. Before it seemed to know, the earth just seemed to know what we wanted. And it produced it. The, can you imagine being on an earth that just says, well, man wants this, so that's what we're going to give him. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be great if you go out and make a garden? I only want corn. No Brussels sprouts. <clears throat> only want corn. And you name off a couple of, you know, some, maybe some tomatoes. That's all I want. And the earth says, well, all right, that's all we're going to give you. And the earth only gives you what you want. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But now we've got to battle all these other things. The earth is bringing other stuff that we don't want. How many of y'all know that's true? If you go out and plant a garden, you get a whole lot of stuff that you don't want. And generally that seems to be growing better than the stuff you do want. So you've got to go out there and, and take them out. Now it's not just crops. Back here, all that was, all that was happening was crops. But now we know we've got thorns and thistles in a whole lot more areas. How many of you ever worked with computers? Are there thorns and thistles in computers? Have you ever worked with wires? You have thorns and thistles in wires. How about machines? Do machines ever come up with thorns and thistles that you have to labor and strive with? Cars. Has your car ever had a thorn or a thistle? Something that's competing for the thing it's supposed to be doing. You can keep going with that. All these things corrupt the production that we're trying to, to bring. And we have to labor against that. Even people can be thorns and thistles. How many have ever worked at a company where the people were thorns and thistles? And they stopped things from happening the way that they should. And you were battling the people. You were battling the things. So what do you listen to, yield to, that leads you against the commands of God? Are there things in your life that you listen to or yield to that lead you against the commands of God? Now, the cause of the yielding does not excuse us. The woman had a reason for why she yielded. The man had a reason why he yielded. God didn't care about either one of them. One was deceived and the other one just decided. Adam just decided. Well, I'm going to follow the direction that the woman is going. And they're both judged. But you see, there's an even greater application here. Greater application than just this. We have looked at the natural application of this curse on the woman 
on the, that sin has brought upon the woman, that sin has brought upon the man. We've looked at the natural. There is a spiritual side of this, and that involves us digging into the New Testament, which we will not have time to do today. But the cause was yielding. We must stop yielding to anything that is contrary to the Word of God. Or we will still walk under all of it. This is one of the reasons I have those three pillars in my life and I constantly tell you about them. And I constantly reiterate them because they're hugely important. I want to make sure I do not yield to anything that takes me away from the Word of God. So those three pillars in my life are if it is something that is to dominate my life, the Word of God teaches it clearly. It teaches it often. And somebody did it. If it, if any of those three, any one of those things is not met. I am not saying it is not a biblical truth. I'm saying it's a biblical truth that does not govern my life. It is informative. It tells me things about my God. It tells me about things about the world. It tells me about things that are to come. But if it is to dominate my life, those three things are always met. Because I will not yield myself to things that are outside of the Word. I'm not saying that I don't. I never have. I'm saying my my focus is I will not do it. As soon as God shows me, you're not yielding to me. You're yielding to this. Let's fix that. And I set out to fix it. Because I will not have that tolerated in my life. This is what brought these people down. You don't want to you don't want to go in that direction. These this this uh, curse of sin will continue on until we get to the new heaven and the new earth. In toil then labor we're going to go when we go out with the word of god is there not a labor are there not thorns and thistles that come up <clears throat> the word speaks a whole lot about work the curse is not that we need to work when god put adam in the garden his thing was tend and keep it tend and keep it these people in the sierra club in case you were wondering i despise the sierra club I almost don't want that truck of there out of the mind because it says Sierra. <coughs> I see that. Every time I see that, I want to rip it off. <coughs> I despise the Sierra Club. If you want to get on my bad side, tell me. I'm a member, long-standing member, paid up of the Sierra Club. Because what these folks do is they make laws that cause the folks in California and some other states to not tend or keep the forests. So because of it, they have these huge forest fires because they don't tend and keep it. They need to let the loggers go in and take out some trees because when they go in, they plant little tiny trees that grow up into new big ones. No, that's let them sit there and die and rot and wait until a fire comes along and burns uncontrollably and kills people, destroys buildings, destroys businesses. This is what we... No, that's wrong. That is garbage and it's not God's way. God told us to tend and keep the garden. You can tend and keep the forest too. Get on out there. Now, every time I'm running through the woods, every time I'm running through the woods, I see these logs just laying there. I get mad every time. I don't mean once a week. I mean, every time I'm running by, I get mad. They won't let these people come in and tear these things out. I passed a place over here on Pickertown Road that years ago a storm knocked down a whole mess of trees and they are letting them sit there. That is garbage. Go out there, make them into something useful, plant some new ones, 
not gonna, we are not going to run out of trees. In fact, I have been told by people that we have more trees in our country now than we did a hundred years ago. Because of the forest things that, that the right states, the states that do it right, do it. California is a bad state. You have to pay me a lot of money to live there. I, <laughs> I have visited one time. I don't think I would live there. They are a bad state. There's other ones out there. I think Washington State does some of the same things. Whenever I see massive fires, I know who's to blame. Us. You would have gone in there and cleaned those things out. You all know the Indians used to start fires. Anybody not know that? The Indians, they, they started fires. They said if they did not have a forest fire, in about five years they would start one. And their purpose was, if we have a fire every four or five years, it burns out all the small brush. And the fire can't get big enough to burn out the big trees. We don't have, de- our forests are never devastated, nor is our life, nor is our wildlife. So they would, you can look it up. Go check it out. You will find out. In order to take care of the forest back then, they didn't have the big logging machines. They would go in there and they'd burn it up, get all that stuff out, and start over again with it. Well, if you remember the Hebrew women, they had babies better than the Egyptians did. And God blessed them in their efforts for that. As a Christian, your soil may be less filled with thorns and thistles than the world's. Because we've been redeemed from sin. Doesn't mean it's going to go away. But God will give you wisdom on how to deal with it. But we want to take a look next week. We're going to take a look at the, this. This is the real powerful application of this. Because when you see what is in the New Testament. About what is here in the Old Testament. This is where you're going to see. Oh, that's how we make this thing work for us. This is what we do. And it's important for us to know it. Because we've been living under some really bad things have been taught about this episode here, the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. And a lot of it is weird and has put people under guilt and condemnation. It's caused women to think that they're less of a Christian than they should be. And uh, that's all wrong. It's called men to not be men. And we need to have the freedom to do that. Would you all stand up with me? When we have... Wrong teaching that comes out on anything, even something as simple as, as the fall of man, can give us a wrong picture of God. When we have a wrong picture of God, we do things we think that picture of God wants us to do. But it's wrong. And we are living up to a wrong image, a wrong way. God will send people, God will send his spirit, he will try to educate us and to help us to see you have a wrong idea of who God is. Now, here's the right idea so we can get our behavior lined up. Because what happens is the word of God, Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Religion is not that way. Religion's burden is very heavy and it wears people out. So people that come along and they teach things that are wrong the Bible never said, the Bible never taught to get people to operate in a certain way. And they put a yoke on them that is bigger, heavier than God ever intended. And they get wore out. They get mad at God. 
begin to do things in a wrong way. Your God loves you. Your God cares for you. And he has a yoke for you. But it's something that you can do. And it won't wear you out. It won't wear you out. Religion will wear you out. Submit yourselves to the things that God wants to do. Take yourself in that direction. Father God, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know what your word says. I want to do what your word says, not what religious people have taught me. Because your burden is light. Your yoke is easy. It won't wear us out. Sin has corrupted this world and brought some things into play that you did not intend us to ever have to fight. But as long as we're here in this earth and as long as earth has not been redeemed from what sin brought in, we can fight it. But we don't have to be wore out in the battle. I thank you that you have a way. You will guide us. You will direct us. Father, I give you the praise and the glory for it. Larry head bowed. If you're here today and you say, well, I have lived under some wrong teaching, I think, because I have a much heavier burden. And the Christian life has been tough for me to live. And I haven't really enjoyed it all that much. But I want to change all that. Not going to ask you to come up front. Just raise your hand up. Raise your hand up and say, pray for me. Father, I thank you that you will help us to get rid of what is too heavy and take on what you always intended because then our life will be prosperous and then we will have good success doing those things that you called us to do. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. I hope this opens some eyes. Next week, though, next week is the big one. This Next week is when we're getting into the spiritual application of this. We have looked at the natural. We look at the physical. There's something far bigger that we have to get a handle on and get to see. So I made sure we left that off for next week because I want to get the whole time uh, t- to look at this and, uh, and show you this part, see what the New Testament has to teach us on these things. We have a teaching coming up for you. I was actually working on some others. We had some things going on with mom. I didn't get to put all the attention into listening to some stuff. I was trying to find some new ones for you to listen to. My wife and I were listening to one of Rodney Howard Brown's for a while. I tried to listen to a few others. Uh, just nothing that... Uh, to, Rodney's a good teacher. Rodney's, he's, a good, he's actually more of a preacher than a teacher. But I just didn't find one that, that I got excited about. When I share these things with you on Monday, they're not always people that I glean a whole lot of information from. Information from a whole lot of, they may not be people I glean tremendous amounts of understanding from. But they're at least teaching something I'm excited about. If I share it with you on Monday, it's got to be something I have at least some excitement for. And I couldn't find one <laughs> going through. So I put this one up. This is a real recent one of uh, Brother Jesse. I was going on through it. You'll get some um, enjoyment out of that. Of course, Brother Jesse is always uh, enjoyable to, to listen to. I actually downloaded it and put it up on our church uh, YouTube page. So you can go there to our YouTube page, see it anytime you want to. You don't have to wait for the link to come out. It's, uh, it's up there, but the link will come out tomorrow on, on um, 11 o'clock. On Wednesday, 
we are uh, taking a look at the, the book of Haggai. Uh, how many have never looked at the book of Haggai? Prophet, minor prophet? Um, I, no hands up, so I guess most of you have, uh, have looked at it. But that's where we're spending time in. Haggai came and he gave a word of prophecy to people who followed the call of God and crossed from Babylon on foot all the way over to Israel to start building the temple, to start building things, gave up their lives to come on out here because they felt the call of God to do it and got there and eventually got discouraged doing what they felt God had told them to do and had actually come to the place to say, it is not time to build the temple of God. That's in the word. It is not time to build the temple of God. You did all that, and now you come to that. What do you have to do in life to get to a place where you are sacrificing all that, and now you say, well, it's not time to do it. And so you quit. Haggai's ministry was to take people who were discouraged from doing the things that God told them to do. They were so convinced that God told them to do it that they gave up their lives in Babylon to make the trek all the way across into Jerusalem and to start building rubble and make it into something. And they got discouraged. And so Haggai has words to bring them out of this and build them up. And so we spent one week on it last Wednesday night. If you weren't here for that and you want to go check it out, it's up there. You can see it all the normal places, YouTube, podcast, Facebook, sermon.net. It's all, all got it up there. But here we hit the second chapter. There's only two chapters. We hit the second chapter. There are four words. One word is actually split in two, so you can actually call it five. We hit two of them in the first chapter. We're going to hit the last three here on this Wednesday night. Tune in if you don't want to. You can't make it on out. If you want to come on out, we'd love to have you all out here on Wednesday night, 730. But that's what's going on. We are still in the book of Ezra, but Haggai is one of the prophets who came out to light a fire under them and get them going. So if you've ever been in a place where you've been discouraged or if you are there now, these are principles that you can learn to help you overcome that. Have a great rest of your day. Next Sunday, my wife has the uh, class going on for the uh, Brother Hagen book uh, on tongues. And so that'll be after church, 1 o'clock. We have some things that have to be done in the afternoon. So you're taking the class till 2? 2, 2, 2.30. And then she's uh, asked to, we'll duck out after that. Have a great rest of the day. Bless some of the people that are around you.